Hello and welcome to the new episode of Women in Customer Success podcast, the first women-only podcast where remarkable ladies of customer success share their stories and practical tools to help you succeed and make an impact. I'm Maria Skobepilei, your host. In this episode, I'm talking to Jo Massey, VP of Customer Success at Slido. She's leading support, success, and customer experience teams for this widely known ultimate Q&A and polling platform. If you have ever attended any customer success conference or event, it is very likely you used Slido to ask your questions. Jo is not only leading the customer success team, but she's also been instrumental in working together with the product in developing Slido based on their clients' needs and feedback. And Jo is also instrumental member of Customer Success Network, always ready to share her industry insights and experiences with others. We talked about remoting or all about remote working, from managing teams to making yourself visible to progress your career remotely. One of the best tips I got from Joe is declaring calendar bankruptcy. Maybe this is exactly what you need for 2021. And what does she mean by that? Well, stay tuned to find out more. Let's get started. Today, I'm very happy to talk with Joe Massey, Vice President of Customer Success at Slido. Hi, Joe. It's so nice to have you on the show. Thank you. Hi, Maria. Thanks so much for having me. Joe, I remember you from last Gainsight conference when you presented. And since then, I knew that you're one of those leaders that I would like to get to know better and just get some tips and tricks from you about various things in your career and life. And I'm sure we will come to that in this conversation. And I'm really looking forward to finding out more from you. But shall we start with you telling us a bit about your background and your career journey? We certainly can. So I actually fell into customer success in a roundabout way. I started my career in a marketing agency and an event agency and then worked in conferences. And so very much in the events and marketing space before, before I joined Slido. I was our first CSM in the APAC region, building things up there. And I've moved through the company from there and, and that's how I've got to the role I am today. And I couldn't have got here without the support of the wonderful customer success community that have given me so much guidance along the way. And I really credit them for helping me on my journey to where I am now. So which teams are you responsible for at the moment? I have around 50 people in my team globally now, and they're split across four different teams. So we have our CSM team. Uh, they're obviously looking after our managed accounts and our top tier customers. Then we have what we call our scale team, who are looking after our low tier of customers and kind of looking at that tech touch and how we support our customers at scale. Then I have our customer care team. We refer to them as CC and they're frontline customer support. And they're our biggest team and make up the majority of the people I look after or that I serve. And then our customer experience team who run our voice of the customer program and, and are really the bridge between our customer facing teams and our product. So that's the scope of my role and how I work right now. It's definitely a lot to take on. I like how you said people I look after or people I serve. So what type of leader are you? How would you describe yourself? This definitely sounds like maybe servant leadership kind of approach, but would really like to hear from you because it was really nice to hear that you are saying you're serving your people uh, you manage. That's wonderful to hear. I think that's a journey that I've personally been on as a leader and I definitely try or aspire to be a servant leader. 
I'm a very opinionated individual. I also have quite a strong presence and I'm not afraid to kind of speak up and to speak my mind. And when I first started in my leadership career, I realized that this was something that could very quickly become limiting. So I wanted to change my approach. I didn't want to be telling people what to do all the time. I have wonderful, amazing people in my team and actually transitioning more into kind of a coaching leadership style and actually working to be there and support them and help them make their own decisions is something that I've been really focusing on and trying to improve over the last couple of years. And one of the reasons behind this is because I know that it's something that I appreciate in how I'm managed. And I think it can be the best way of bringing the best out of people at the end of the day. Like I have plenty of people in my team who are smarter and better people than me. And I think that's what we should be striving for and to grow them and to bring the best out of people. Nothing makes me happier than when someone is able to achieve their potential or be able to use their strengths or use their talents to the benefit of themselves, their colleagues, and also the company. This really sounds great. And especially given that everyone are working remotely now, what are the ways that you're doing it? How are you really coaching your team members? What are the techniques and tools that you are using at the moment? Oh, it's a, it's a fun one. Um, so I'm a long-term remote employee. I've been remote ever since I joined Slido, so four years ago. And now I've been working remotely. And you don't have that same visibility into what people are doing. You can't see how people are struggling. So it's not a tool, but I think the main thing and the most important thing is creating an environment where people feel safe, where people feel open, and actually giving them the opportunity and spaces to speak up and to share things. I remember three and a half years ago now, I had someone join my team when I was working in APAC on our customer care team. And she was also remote and she had actually picked up an infection and she couldn't move one of her arms, but she was still turning up to work and and working every day. And obviously we couldn't see her. If, If we were in the office, I would have been like, okay, you need to go home. You're clearly not well. But I didn't know this until I actually proactively reached out to her. And and she said that she didn't want to let anyone down. She didn't want to have an impact on her being sick. And this was a really good lesson for me early on in that you need to create that space where people can say to you, hey, I'm not feeling well. Or, hey, I'm struggling with this or or this problem. And actually creating space and time on -on one-on-ones to talk about these things. We obviously at Slido, a tool for collecting feedback, collecting questions, and we use our tool quite heavily to actually also make sure that we are getting that information from our employees who are globally and that we're able to hear their voice. So that's a different, I read all the feedback that gets sent through. Like today, for example, we ran our customer town hall. It's where we bring all of my teams and our sales team together. We do it once a month. And today we ran an exercise where I asked, what's one thing we could do to make your month better? What's one thing you can do to make your month better? And what's one thing that you can do to help others? I'll go through and read all of that and make sure that we then take actions and steps to do what we can on it. So I really think it's about the environment in in a remote world and making sure that people have that space and, and feel comfortable doing that. And you really have to trust. Trust is the most important thing. Like I, I don't need to micromanage my team. I set the expectations with them. I know that they will do what's expected of them. And if they are reaching some barriers, I I know that they will approach me and we can have a conversation about it. So how do you know that you're on the right track? Is it purely due to metrics that are connected to your expectations or also the qualitative feedback that you're getting? How often are you kind of asking yourself, okay, where am I with my team? 
I think that's something that we do almost constantly. I have a number of things in place to do this. So, for example, we meet once every six to 12 weeks with my leaders of each of my teams. I have a really strong leadership team in place who are bringing those things and surfacing those topics. We, we meet together there to talk about those operations, risks and, and problems. I do a personal weekly reflection where I ask myself questions of what went well this week, what didn't go well and gives me that chance to stop and reflect on what's happened and what actually needs to be addressed. I do a similar thing with my team. So actually once a quarter, we do a reflection. We don't do annual reviews or anything like that. Slido. We don't tie into that philosophy. Uh, but I've started doing these quarterly reviews where we actually take time to stop and look back and figure out what we need to improve. And that's more on a personal level. And then on a team level, we do regular retros. We try, we do them after every project. Um, so we can take the lessons into the next ones that we run. And we do them on a team level every quarter where we then choose the top things that we actually need to address and move forward. And then on a company level, we do a monthly pulse. Um, so this is something we use Slido for. It takes like three minutes. You just fill in ratings on different questions and it gives me lots of information of where we need to improve. For example, this month, my scores in my team for effective communication have decreased. So I know that I need to actually double down on how we're communicating and, and something's going wrong there because I've seen such a big difference from September to August. So it's a really good data point to bear in mind. Oh, it's great to collect those types of feedback, definitely. You mentioned that you've been a long-time remote employee and obviously managing teams remotely have its own challenges. But how about managing your own career when you're working remotely? What has been your experience so far? I've been really fortunate in regards to that. I, when I first joined Sida, I was promoted every six months. I've been in my current role now for two and a half years. So my career progression there was quite rapid. And that's despite the fact that I was living in Taiwan at the time, had a seven to eight hour time difference to our HQ. And what really helped me there was around making sure I was visible. And I think that this is something that you can underestimate when you're remote. I think it's important to find the conversations that you should be a part of and actually be much more vocal in sharing your ideas, um, sharing the places where you think things could improve or things could be better. Uh, sharing the voice of the customer. Like we're a very customer-centric company. So actually how we can improve things for the customer is something that was really important for us. I appreciate that not all companies are like that. So it's about tapping into what's important to your leadership team, what's important to your company, and making sure that you are seen and recognized as doing or complying with those traits and that you have something that you can offer. At least that's what worked for me. At least that's also what works for me with the people in my team. Sometimes I realize that, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so on Slack for a while. I, I wonder if they're okay kind of thing. And, and, you know, they're just getting on with it. Like that visibility is really important and, and speaking up and not being afraid to speak up, I think is a key thing. I'm really interested to hear more about what you said, making yourself visible while working remotely. So as a leader... How do you create opportunities for your employees to have their say and share their opinions, even if they're not asked? And then also for individual contributors, what would be some tips and tools or things to have in mind while making yourself more visible? Actually, the thing that I appreciate most about people in my team and, and some of the individual contributors and things that highlights them to me is if they see that something's not working, they just go about doing what needs to be done in order to improve it. 
I don't go in for that whole philosophy of you should always come with solutions. I think that that's nonsense because then you ignore people raising important problems that don't have a solution. Uh, but sometimes, you know, there's things that you can actually do to make things better. So to give you a very concrete example, I saw one of our support team recently refreshed some of their templates that they have there. And, and they just did it because they felt that they weren't helping them enough and helping the team enough. And they actually just went out of their way to spend that time making those better. And for me, that really shows that proactivity. It's not them speaking up in a meeting or sharing an opinion. It's just that if they see something that's broken, they fix it and they do what they can in order to do that and to make the work of everyone better. That's one way that as a leader, I personally really appreciate. As you can probably tell, I don't subscribe to that philosophy that you don't have the power to fix something. I think it's about empowering people to know that what they can do and, and to do it. The second thing is if you use a tool like Slido, for example, when you ask questions, like we have monthly all hands, we have monthly town halls, uh, we have other meetings. Some people ask really, really good, thoughtful questions there. And, and when they're not afraid to put their name against them, that's something that can also give you great insight into how people are thinking. And also if they're prepared to challenge the status quo. We use Slack as our main communication tool. So we have lots of places there where people can share ideas either on how to improve the product. They can share that kind of customer feedback. They can be doing, doing and fighting for the things that they can and what's within their control and constantly trying to improve and make things better. So if I was to summarize all that, it's like, are people using the tools within their remit in order to make things better for themselves, for their team and for the company? No, that's definitely great, especially now when we are remote. It's wonderful to know that you have those tools that can be utilized and that means everything. Your whole personal brand within the organization needs to go through those channels because that's your only option. Thanks for sharing that. As you've been involved in loads of talks on remote working, so what would be your main tips for everyone that might be thinking of going permanently to remoting or remote working? But my main tips for making remote work well, let's start on a personal level. I think that you need to build routine and you need to build good habits. When I lived in Taiwan, for example, there's not much cooking happens at home. So I always had a hard stop in that I would leave to go out for dinner and that would be the end of the day. And that was something that really helped me to build that habit to stop working because I think it's very, very easy to just stay on your laptop and keep going forever. Creating that environment and space within your home where you know that if you have that ability to build that structure and build that routine, I think that that's the most important thing and making sure you take time off and, and that you rest. I think on a personal level, if you're thinking about being remote, either long term or even just now, I think that's the most important thing and I know there's lots about it. When it comes to running a team, as I said earlier, I think it's about the environment that you create and it's about the trust that you build and, and that you have available. But you also need to come back and look at your communication channels and how you're doing or how you're, you're operating. I think that you need to have quite a high level of transparency if possible. And, and we're not perfect at this time. We're definitely trying to evolve and get better at it. Having a transparent way of being able to see who's working on what, where there might be overlap. Finding a way to make that work is important. And when it comes to running meetings, at Slido, we're quite an introverted company. People are not that keen to speak up on meetings. But I know that's not the case. I ran a session for Box about how to run remote customer meetings. And I was flabbergasted because people just kept speaking and, and talking. It was amazing. And I was like, oh, I, we don't have this environment 
inside of people who are not so keen. So I think it's about actually being aware of people who are not so comfortable talking up or speaking in meetings and, and using a tool like Slido or, or other tools in order to make sure that their opinions are still heard and that they still feel comfortable to raise their voices, either through asking questions or through kind of polls that you ask them. Like we use Zoom, uh, we use breakout rooms quite heavily in order to, you know, create small spaces for people to connect in different ways. And I think it all comes back to the environment and what you create. I also just read a really interesting article today about how to be as a leader on Zoom and how important the environment that you're in presents. So, for example, standing up because you're much more likely to be more energetic or make sure that you're looking into the camera because if you're looking down, people won't trust you the same way. If the light's not very good in the space, it can be really distracting. So actually making sure that that environment that you're in is worthwhile can actually make a huge impact on the people that, that you have and that you're talking to. And then I, I do one other thing when it comes to when I'm speaking to people, and especially at the moment, I, I try to project energy because I'm aware that the impact and influence that I can have on people as a leader is really high. If people see that I'm frustrated or that I'm down, that can very quickly have a ripple effect on other people. And actually, if you're bringing the energy, you can inspire people um, to bring the same. It's subtle, I know, but I think it's an important thing to do. I really like this point about the energy. It is a real challenge, right, to stay energetic in front of the cameras or screens and even how to project it towards the others. If I think about our calendars, of course, we CSMs are very busy <laughs> juggling different priorities, different clients' needs, different internal meetings. And very often, well, certainly my calendar is filled with meetings back to back. And then you're thinking that not every meeting is equally important and not every meeting requires the same energy level, but it's still difficult to keep it up the whole day. So what would be your tips on organizing your calendar just to keep that energy level up and to make sure that your presence is really good because it translates to other people? I actually spent some time on this last week. About once a year, I get to a point where I have to declare calendar bankruptcy. What this means for me is that I actually write down all of the people that I need to have one-on-ones with, all of the meetings and the regular things that I have. I write them all down and then I plot my week. I use an Excel document or a Google sheet to do this. I plot my week with all the hours that I have available. And then I look remapping the syncs and conversations or meetings that I have into different blocks. When I do this, what I'm trying to do is avoid too much context switching so that I can focus on those things rolling one into another and it makes it a lot easier to do that. So to give you an example, I'm responsible for our customer community, which we just launched a couple of weeks ago. And we have a weekly meeting about the community. And then straight after that, I have one-on-one with our community manager. And that means that all of that is in one place and I can just think that through. I also try not to plan or schedule one-on-ones around the same time as a bigger meeting that I'm going to be running. I can have them after it because I'm coming off that kind of buzz of running that meeting, but I don't want to put them before it because I want to save my energy for that meeting that I'm going to be hosting. That's where I have the bigger impact and the bigger place. So I really try to plot my week. Next week will be the first week where I have a completely fresh calendar. I'm very much looking forward to it. And I think that this is a part of like 
work hygiene that I'd really suggest investing in and, and trying to accommodate some time every now and again. As I say, the cadence for me is that I need to do this once a year um, because that's when I realize it's got a health control and has got all over the place. It's wonderful. I love your calendar bankruptcy. No, but a great point about grouping different types of meetings together. Any challenge so far that you experience in your life due to the fact that you are a woman in business? Not really, to be honest with you. I don't like to see that there should be any difference between me and anyone else. I'm the only female member of our executive team. I'm also the only non-Slovak in our uh, executive team. So My main point here is don't let your differences stand in your way. I think you need to do and channel those differences as a strength. I just realized I made a mistake. I'm no longer the only female executive. We recently hired someone else. So there's two of us now, which is great. But I see a different side and I really try to champion and take those angles that can be a problem for people for women in our organization. So I really try to be a voice of women. So we've had quite a lot of people go on maternity leave in the last couple of years and now they're in a place where they're just starting to come back as a business we are very immature uh, when it comes to this it's not something we've ever had to deal with before so I'm really trying to be there to make sure that we accommodate things in the right way so there's not barriers to people I, I strongly believe that the choice of becoming a mother shouldn't stand in the way of your career if that's what's right for you I also appreciate that's not right for everyone um, but I will always try to create and make those opportunities um, for people who are returning in that way I'm sure that I will face problems uh, at some point in my career I think I've probably just been lucky so far Is there anyone you particularly admire in business? Oh, what a question. One of my favorite books that I've ever read about business was American Icon. And it is a story about Ford when they went through the crisis in 2008 and how they focused on that. And they had a leader there called Alan Mulally, who actually came in and basically turned the whole company around and, and how they operated, how they performed in really building a good and open and transparent company culture where they embraced problems and solved them. I found his approach really quite inspiring and a really admirable way of, of doing things and doing business, especially what he was able to achieve there in quite a short space of time uh, with a massive, very old corporation, I think is really inspiring. So I would definitely recommend reading that book. Uh, American icon it's a very interesting one so I found him quite inspiring this was a really nice conversation today so I appreciate your time thanks so much for coming to the show well, thank you so much for having me Maria lovely to chat with you I hope you enjoyed today's episode as always I'd like to hear from you so follow us on LinkedIn Instagram and get in touch subscribe now so you don't miss out of the following episodes have a great day and talk to you soon